Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. I'm your host, Jody Krangle, and this podcast will discuss just how sound influences our behavior. I generally talk about this in the context of advertising and marketing, but there are other places this is important too. I really feel that it plays a much more important role in our lives than maybe we realize. So let's delve a little deeper. Here's the first part of my interview with John McLean. John McLean is the owner and lead sound engineer mixer at the Dog and Pony Show in Las Vegas, Nevada. His experience ranges from award-winning sound design for companies like Chevrolet, Dodge, Intel, and MGM Resorts, to a Grammy nomination in 2000, and a Grammy win in 2001 for his work with the late, great George Carlin. His work with HBO on the series 24-7 brought his company a National Emmy in 2008, and his work as a voice talent, composer, and sound designer brought him to the small screen in 2010 with the Comedy Central short series Schmitty McFunkel and Stump. I love that name. In 2018 and 2019, John won Emmys for his work with PBS on the show Outdoor Nevada and his mix of the documentary African Americans, The Las Vegas Experience. He's currently mixing Brave the Wild for Animal Planet, slated to begin early in 2020. When not working his audio mojo, John likes to surf, ski, travel, cook paella for his friends, and spend time with his beautiful wife Dawn and amazing son Declan. Thank you so much for talking with me today, John. I know it's been a bit of a comedy of errors to get here, but I appreciate your patience. <laughs> I was I, I teach a class in tech for voice talent uh-huh. and uh, through the voice actor studio, Melissa Moat's place. And um, I was just telling them on Monday night in our first class of the new series that gremlins are real. <laughs> and you, you have everything set up in your studio and you go home at night and then you come back in the next day and stuff doesn't work. Those are gremlins. Yeah. I wonder if they have all the extra socks, too. I don't know where they go. Uh, they very well might. <laughs> That's an interesting thing to think. And I'm missing some underwear, so now I'm going to go check. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So um, I wanted to ask you to begin with, uh, because I know that you teach a course on this stuff, which just endlessly fascinates me. So um, when you teach the course, what are some of the things you go over with these people? With the voice talent course? Well, no, no, no. The um, the film course that you teach on sound. Oh, yes. Sound for Film at UNLV. Yes. Um, so it UNLV has a really solid film program. They're not, you know, at the USC level, but they're definitely the next step down. Mm-hmm. Well accredited. And um, for years, I, I worked with the program to help students uh, develop sound for the films, the thesis films and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, two years ago, they asked me to come in and guest lecture. And then this year, they asked me to come in and teach a course. And we cover, I like to cover the impact of sound, the emotional touchstone that sound is, the way that sound affects us, and how they can use sound in their films to tell a story. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because the the students get a great skill set from the professors in how to, um, you know, how to light and how to shoot and how to edit. Mm -hmm. But that just puts them out in the world with a film and then they stand there going, well, what do I do for sound? Okay, well, I've got some dialogue. I'll throw a piece of music behind it. And that that has no impact. That that doesn't do anything. Sure, yeah. Uh, Because I'll go out on a limb and say that the emotional impact comes from sound. Certainly sound and lighting and, and picture work together. But 
you can take the soundtrack and change it and completely alter the emotional impact of whatever you're mm-hmm. viewing. Yeah, completely. You had mentioned that there was a Christopher Robin uh, trailer that you use as an example. Can you, like, I guess, describe that? <laughs> yeah, so there's a, the, the original trailer for the Christopher Robin film, and I, I show it to the students, and we, we talk about the different aspects of what it takes to create that soundtrack, and then I ask them how they feel after they watch it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a really good example because the music runs through... The music and the trailer run through several different emotions, discovery and joy and whatnot. And, you know, inevitably, the adjectives that are used are words like joy and happiness and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then I show them another version that someone on the Internet cut together. And it's it's the same scenes, but they have changed the order. It's all black and white. They've taken the existing dialogue that they had, and then they've changed the music and they turn it into a horror trailer. Yeah. Where Pooh is stalking Christopher Robin and his family. <laughs> and I show that to them. And, and inevitably, in all my guest lectures and in my class this year, when that gets done, people are just sitting there dumbfounded because it's the first example that these students have seen where somebody actually showed them that sound can completely alter the way that you view the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I did see that that video and it really struck me as well yeah like but the editing was different too in the actual film like that they used of the footage correct um it was it was a fascinating study it really was i i thought they did a great job it's it's a great way of showing that all the elements work together Mm -hmm. and i guess that's the most important point because we don't as a society consciously listen and sound sort of sneaks in the back door And there are ways to take advantage of that for Mm -hmm. uh, emotional impact in film, television, for marketers to take advantage of that. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. But if we don't pay attention to it on the development side, we don't end up with as Mm -hmm. good of a product. Yeah. The ads aren't as effective. The films aren't as effective. (laughs) That's true. Could you talk a little more about the evolution of sound as far as how it affects us? Because I know you mentioned that in your course, too, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's all based on evolution, you know. If if we are um if we're cavemen and we're sitting around the fire at night and if the biosphere suddenly goes very quiet or you know, much like in Jurassic Park, we hear the big kaboom of something, branches breaking, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's telling us that there's a predator in the area, possibly a predator that's a bigger predator than us, higher up on the food chain. Sure. And so, you know, over the millennia, we've developed the reaction to these changes in the sonosphere, if you will, and we react to it. And we we even still to this day react to it. We just don't realize it as much. But, you know, as I say in the lecture that you got a chance to look through, Mm -hmm. we... um, like silence. I always tell voice talent when I'm uh, directing them or when I'm coaching, uh, I, I tell my students silence is like one of the most effective arrows in your quiver because silence is something we're not used to, especially in modern society. Oh, yeah. So if something that we're listening to suddenly goes quiet, that causes us to notice it. You know, our brain's this amazing tool that keeps us on whatever task we're focused on. And one of the ways that it does that is it filters out all of the other sound that we don't notice. Mm -hmm. But if the world suddenly goes quiet, our brain goes, whoa, 
pay attention to that. There's something going on. And, and while it's, you know, still our, um, our lizard brain saying, you know, there's a big predator in the area. Of course, that's generally not a concern anymore, mm -hmm. except maybe a, a bit north of you where the polar bears are. But um, <laughs> that's a bit further north, a bit north. <laughs> well, you know, a bit north. <laughs> yeah, I know. Canada's huge. How long would it take you to get to Hudson Bay from Toronto? That'd be quite a haul. It's a long trip. Yeah. <laughs> When my wife and I lived in Detroit, we always talked about doing that road trip up to the Hudson Bay to see the polar bears. And then when I actually mapped it out, I'm like, well, that's like driving to Alaska. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a long way. Canada's really big. <laughs> Canada's huge yeah. and beautiful. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I love that. Silence is a powerful tool. And it really is. You're right. Um, so how do uh, like advertisers and, and marketers use this in your experience? Are they paying attention to this at all at this point or like, is it even on their radar? <laughs> I think that, I don't think I, I, I am witnessing the more sophisticated marketers with the bigger budgets begin to really pay attention to it. The small marketers are still stuck in a world where they think it's more important to just bang out as much content as possible than to put out effective content that gets the job done. Mm -hmm. You know, we still live in a world where there's a lot of people who are perfectly happy with the video editor pulling a fader down and calling that a mix, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and it's always going to be that way to a certain degree probably, but you, there are definitely, marketers who are really starting to step up and pay attention. We've done a remarkable amount of custom scores and sonic logos in the last 12 to 18 months. Oh, cool. Can you speak a little yeah, bit about it, any of those? Any examples you want to mention? Um, let me think of one. Uh, that's one of, well, the one, let's see, that one's not done, so I can't talk about that. We're <laughs> doing, um, we do casino gaming work. Mm-hmm. So right now we're in the uh, midst of producing a series of what are called wind tunes. Okay. But they're they're essentially sonic logos that play on the machines. And this is for a company in Australia. Oh, cool. And so when you're playing their machine and you win, based on the size of the win, a tune plays. And the tune is literally from one second long up to 60 seconds long, depending on the size of the win. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, and so all of it has to be branded. So you start out, you build the large tune, and then you whittle it down to the small ones. Because you can imagine like the one second and the two second and the five second wind tunes are just bling or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're branded to the company based on the conversations that we have with them about what they're trying to affect. Uh, and then they are, uh, of course, we try to make them as uh, earwormy, mm -hmm. if you will, as possible, so that people want to hum them. That's a good thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, and you know, you 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 play in areas. There are there are laws about uh, manipulation in casino gaming. So yeah, I was going to ask you about that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So certainly, we can't we can't do things that sort of compel people to finish phrases, right? Like the old shave on a haircut, two bits. Yeah. We can't go bump, 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 and then leave it hanging. And they know that if they put more money in it and hit the button, it goes bump, bump, and finishes it for them, right? That's sort of yeah. like psychologically compelling somebody to gamble. And that would be illegal. It's interesting, though, that they're aware that such a thing is so compelling. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Well, there. Um, it's been a few years, but I want to say it was around 2010 or 11. Uh, we were at the time doing a series of wind tunes for a different gaming company, and they actually gave us a paper that had been published and was circulated by the gaming control board, mm -hmm. and it covered a lot of this material and and what you can and can't do sonically. That is really fascinating. So, what can't? What else can't you do? What are you, what are you not allowed to do besides you know not finishing the cadence? <laughs> yeah, well, you're just not allowed to do anything that could be shown to compel someone to continue playing. Mm -hmm. And I, I haven't seen any specific rules. I, I doubt they have any. I'm sure that what would happen is it would come up in front of a committee from the Gaming Control Board and they would make a decision based on it. Mm -hmm. So what, what you do is you, you develop things that just create joy and happiness in people, you know, rising scales and um, uh, everything. You know, obviously we never score something in D minor, the saddest of all keys. Sure. You know? <laughs> uh, it's, it's sort of a, a funny misnomer in the casino gaming world that everything gets done in C. Oh, but uh, oddly note. enough, in this one, we are doing these wind tunes in C because it gives us this wide open palette to work with. Sure. But we're not we, we don't make that decision because it's a major scale. We just did it because for this particular client, because they're overseas, they need some of the tunes in their games that will be developed later to be um, Asian sounding, you know, mm. sort of the the Siamese cats, the way that Disney developed the Siamese cat song to sound Asian to a Western ear. Um, you use techniques like that. And, and so putting it in C just gives us more options down the road. Sure. Yeah. So. Um, Sorry, I wandered down. A weird no, it's fine. There. You're <laughs> wander all you like. I think it's it's really interesting information. Um, but if the casino board, the gaming commission, is actually keeping people on the straight and narrow in gaming, do you think there's anything like that? Like, is there anything like that in advertising? Uh, there's got to be some kind of regulatory board, right? Nothing that I'm aware Nothing of. Nothing at all, huh? No. no. That's really interesting because, I mean, I I'm seeing more of this audio manipulation in um, in advertising. And it's becoming more and more of a thing. And I'm just wondering if there's any way that it might overextend itself, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. You know, the, the, it's the, the Wild West, if you will, in the advertising world. And, it, and really, it always has been. You know, they, they, you know, they used to use, uh, well, they still do use celebrities to compel you to do things. They, mm -hmm. they write the scripts in certain ways that make you feel like... You know, you should, you know, oh, they did that. I should do that, too. So uh, I don't know if, if there's anybody watching over that kind of a thing. It, we just have to either say, oh, no, I'm totally cool with that, or, oh, no, I be, need to be on guard against this. So in advertising, then, is there a particular way that you use sound that will be as compelling as possible? Yes. <laughs> so I like to, uh, at Dog and Pony, we like to, when given the opportunity, uh, dive into some of this um, biological reaction to sound, if you will. Ooh, so as a, for explain. instance, a, an, <laughs> yeah. So, so um, a, an example that I give the students at UNLV. Um, so there's a a spot that I saw several years ago that someone did, and it was for an off-road tire. And so they they want to demonstrate, you know, the the manliness, the adventure. 
They want to create that sense of adventure in the ad for the tire. And so the people that did the sound work for the tire, um, they filled it up with everything you would expect. When the tire was on mud, you heard the tire going through mud. Mm -hmm. When the tire was on rocks, you heard the tire going over rocks. And that's all well and good, but that's what I refer to as see a sound, play a sound. Mm -hmm. And and what I teach the students and what we do here is certainly we put the sound of the tire going over the rocks in there, but there's also other things mixed in underneath, things that you don't necessarily know what they are, but they make you feel a certain way, like the growl of a large a uh, predator like a lion might go in there. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I did a spot that I uh, shared with you um, for a Overwatch League team launch, mm -hmm. the Atlanta Rain, and they they wanted they had this like red and white logo with this phoenix coming in, and they wanted you know the, in the brief they said you know fire and sizzle and yada yada yada, and so I played around with a bunch of different things, including recording the sound of grease and water bubbling together on a hot stove. Oh, interesting. And then I had my, at the time, 11-year-old son come in and do some super high-pitched screams. <laughs> you know, these are, these are sounds that affect us at our core. You know, mm -hmm. like, like a, a siren is purposely pitched where it's pitched so that we turn our heads because we're biologically compelled into that frequency range because that's where the sound of a crying baby lives. Mm -hmm. And so then I mix all of this together and you end up with this thing that is, you know, the client loved it, the first pass and we were done. And, but there are these little elements in there and they are things, again, that people, they react to, but they don't know what they are because of how it's mixed in and they don't know why they react to them, they just do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like um, editing voiceover. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please take a moment to give the podcast a review. It's greatly appreciated and super helpful. Until next time.